Hey, VV Nation. Well, you found our podcast on your favorite platform for podcasts. We know that you'll love the content, and hopefully it makes you better informed investors in the stock market. Be sure to follow us on social media. You can go to YouTube, Facebook, Reddit, and Instagram. Just search for VectorVest, and remember, we do the work, you reap the rewards. Hey YouTube, what's going on? It's Patrick here at VectorVest, and today we're going to be taking a look at one of the hottest topics to hit the markets over the last week or so. We're going to be diving into Archegos Capital. That's right, we're going to be talking about the biggest family firm, not hedge fund, but family firm, and that makes a difference. And we're going to be looking at the stocks most affected by it, and then also take a look at the broader implications this could have on, let's say, meme stocks. You know, GameStop, AMC, yeah, those stocks. It's not exactly what you probably think it is right now, so make sure to hit that like button, subscribe, leave a comment for the YouTube algorithms to help us out if you enjoyed today's video, and stick around as we jump right into the analysis. Alright, so let's start off by getting everybody caught up to speed on what's going on. So there's this family firm out there that was over leveraged in the markets. Some would say that he was five to one leveraged in the markets on his positions, trading extremely risky trades. Well, those trades happened to go against him and the people he was borrowing money from had a margin call on him, essentially forcing him to liquidate to cover the collateral for some of his risky trades. And that has sent shockwaves throughout the market as those stocks have dropped significantly. We've seen some reporting about $10 billion worth of trades in a very short period of time, dropping the stock prices down over 10, 20%, some even more than that. As we can see here in the article, banks that worked with Archegos and lent money to buy shares were scrambling to offload Archegos investments after a handful of risky bets made by the hedge fund went bad. Well, they keep calling it a hedge fund here, but hedge funds... This is something I found out when getting into this. Hedge funds have to report filings. This company is a family firm, is what they call themselves, and they don't have to report the filings, which is something to keep in mind as we go through this story. So, essentially, this guy, he was banned from trading in Hong Kong four years ago, or from 2012 to 2016, uh, for already being caught for insider trading and now he's back, started up his own family firm instead of a hedge fund now, and is back in hot water here. So hopefully that gets you caught up. But there's little to be known about Archegos Capital up until last Friday. Nobody is ever talking about it. Nothing has ever been said about it. So this must be a small-time player. And it's really interesting to see how such a small-time player can have a major effect on the market that sends shockwaves throughout it. So let's go ahead and take a look at some of the interesting things that I've found here. So let's start off by taking a look at Archegos Capital filings here. So we go into it, we're in the SEC's website, and as we can see, it's labeled as Tiger Asia Management originally, which was the old name. But if we scroll down here, it was started in 2012 right after he had the legal issues of insider trading that he pleaded guilty to, keep that in mind. So we have basic information on the company, 
But as we scroll into the SEC filings, as you can see sec.report, the CIK number, we scroll down, no filings have been made from this company ever since the 2012 start of this company. For somebody who has so much money in the markets, roughly estimated between 70 to $80 billion worth of, of holdings, how come they're not being regulated? Nobody's keeping an eye on this and nobody's even watching it. This is definitely alarming and really plays against the whole narrative of retail investors don't know what they're doing. So therefore, you know, we can restrict trading, i.e. the whole GME fiasco that happened and the whole meme stock fiasco that happened a few months ago or just a month or two ago. And now where this guy has already been caught, already been proven guilty and now all of a sudden has more money than he can actually handle and getting billions of dollars of loans. This goes to show the, the inconsistencies in the markets and the players involved in the markets. But I was able to find one filing and that was for a trademark here. And that was back in 2019. That's the only reports that we've seen since 20 or 2012 until now this is the only report they filed with the SEC aside from the initial company registration. For a company that's managing that much money or a firm that's managing that much money, where is their track record? Where is their oversight or their regulation into this? This is something that needs to be brought up and definitely talked about as this story continues to evolve. So now, as hard as it was, I did find their website or an archived copy of their website. So let's go take a look at their official website here. So Archegos Capital Management, which if right now you try to go look for the website, it has been pulled down off the internet. But luckily in this day and age with modern technology, nothing is gone forever. Once it's on the internet, it stays on the internet. So here's their main website that is now gone, but with certain tools, you can definitely go find it. And it's a very, very simple website. For somebody who's trading 70 to $80 billion worth, you would expect to see a little bit more into their website. So we start off with just the basics, gives you what the company is. It's a family investment office specializing in public equities. But let's start off taking a look at their overview real quick. Archegos Capital Management is a family investment office specializing in public equities, primarily to the United States, China, Japan, Korea, and Europe. This is important to keep in mind. Once again, family office or family investment office. They don't call themselves a hedge fund. This is how they're getting around the SEC filings. And this is why it's making it so hard to see exactly what this family investment company or family investment office is up to. So you can get their mission and values, which is pretty bare bones in my opinion, especially for such a big company or big family office like this. You can get their leadership, which we'll take a look into here in a second. And then also some words from the executive chairman and CEO. So with that, let's go ahead, take a look at some of the leadership that they have on their board. So Andy Mills is a name that we haven't really seen too much. Not a whole lot here to talk about, but we do get the Bill Huang. Uh, and if I'm pronouncing that wrong, just let me know in the comments. I apologize if I'm, if I'm mispronouncing that. Uh, but he's the guy that everybody in all the headlines keep talking about. He was the one who was found guilty for insider trading. He was the founder of this company. And as an individual, if you hear somebody who gets caught for insider trading, illegal trading activities, you would think they would be barred for good. They wouldn't be able to trade anymore. 
And so with that previous history, why would banks such as Credit Suisse, Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, the biggest investment banks in the around the world, why would they do business with this or this type of company or business? Why would they make these kind of loans to somebody who already has a track record of breaking the law? Well, I found this out and I thought it was extremely um, insightful for what we're looking for. If we come down here, we take a look at their co-president, has over 20 years of experience on Wall Street and most recently managing director at Goldman Sachs. Hmm, funny how that works out. Uh, senior business partner to the Global Investment Banking, Securities and Investment Research Division in Latin America. Also worked at JP Morgan as well. Hmm, big banks. Okay, well, there's our missing link for how they're able to have their in possibly. Now, this is speculation, not saying it's, you know, that they made a deal to get the money, but this is that link for why they were potentially able to get money from a big bank or big investment firm such as Goldman Sachs. But then another interesting piece that I found here is we scroll down here, we get towards their head trader. This is the other person I really wanted to bring to light for everybody who's following this story. As we go through this, think if any names sound familiar when we look at that. So their head trader, prior to joining the firm, traded equities for major head fund clients at Lehman Brothers. Hmm, anybody who was following the markets or has any basic understanding of the whole 2007-2008 financial crisis remembers that name. If you're not, do a Google search on Lehman Brothers and then come back to this video. So as we take a look at the board on this, on this family firm, there is a lot of names that stand out all of a sudden and start to help an individual who may not be familiar with this firm how these companies are able to get these loans to over leverage themselves so that way you know instead of 15 20 billion dollars of of equities they're now trading 70 to 80 billion dollars of equities this is starting to connect some of those dots as you can see here another chief compliance officer worked for goldman sachs a chief financial officer worked for price waterhouse so td ameritrade essentially. So you can see as we go through their leadership, they have a lot of connections to some of these bigger banks that were heavily loaning money to these people that have already had a horrendous, in my opinion, track record. So now that we know that, now that we see what's going on, we start to connect some of the dots on how these people were most likely able to get loans or get equity lines back into the big guys or the big banks. Let's go ahead and take a look at these stocks, breaking them down with a systematic analysis that VectorVest provides. All right, so now that we're in VectorVest, as you can see, we have all the stocks listed here that have been hitting the headlines so far. You have Viacom, Alibaba, Discovery Communications, Baidu, and Tencent Music. If we take a look at these as, of course, these stocks have been dropping like a rock. They've been dropping billions of dollars worth of shares all at one time that's going to crash the price of these stocks the rts are all below one no surprise there the rts are looking at the short-term price trend of the stock 
All these indicators, the RV, RS, RT, and VST, are all cast on scales zero to two to make it simple for the retail investor to make faster and smarter decisions for themselves rather than trying to have to analyze scads of data on their own and possibly even spending hours upon hours doing that. So getting into it though, looking at the RS. The RS stands for the relative safety. If we right click, just pull up a stock analysis report. You could do this on any stock out there in the markets. And actually that brings me to this. If you want to see how your stocks are analyzed or how your stocks rank up, click on the link in the description of today's video and sign up for the free stock analysis report. Just type in the symbol, put in your email, and you'll get the report emailed to you right away. But getting into the report here, we can scroll down and we start to get to the RS or the relative safety. RS is an indicator of risk. So on a scaling of zero to two, above one is good or less risk, below one is bad or more risk. So now that we know that, let's go take a look at these. Baba, Alibaba, RS of 1.1, just barely above one. So it's slightly less risky, but still not great. And then you have Viacom, which is 1.06, better than average, but still nothing outstanding. Baidu, 1.04. Not great. I mean, it's better than nothing, but still nothing that really stands out as a, as a top performer here. So just by doing the basic analysis, we can see that these stocks for the most part are average or slightly more riskier than the average stock out there. We look at the RV or the long-term potential of the stock. Only one of them has an RV above one and that's Viacom. So these stocks are not solid fundamental plays here. These are still riskier investments. Everything that you see here is based upon a systematic approach and not just, hey, I like this stock. I think this stock can go up. These are a systematic approach to help you analyze your stocks faster and smarter than ever before. You go off of this, these stocks weren't great stocks to be holding to begin with. It almost brings you to do the conclusion that you know, these were possibly pump schemes or pump and dump schemes on some of these stocks. So let's go ahead, take a quick look at these because we've had some people asking, how do I take advantage of them? How should I buy them now? You know, should I jump into them? Should I buy them because they just sold off and they have a, a big discount right now? Let's take a look at these. So at the top, we have the price shown in candlesticks. The purple is a simple 40 day moving average. The red down here is the RT or that short term price trend. And then below here is the EPS or earnings per share. Now here at VectorVest, we do earnings per share a little bit, little bit differently. If you haven't seen my previous videos, I'll break it down for you very simply. Our earnings per share is not only just looking at the most recent earnings performance, but it's also taking into account the analyst predictions of the 12 months down the road forecasted earnings per share as well. So when you see this line going up, that shows that the company is not only making money on their earnings, but they're also expected to continue to make money. And if you see this line going down, that shows that the company is losing money and that their analysts are expecting them to continue to lose money. So taking a look at the first stock, look at that earnings per share, steadily falling. Viacom, earnings, steadily falling. Baidu, steadily falling. TME, steadily falling. Discovery, steadily falling. So all of these companies are losing money and expected to continue to make money. And as the old saying goes, money goes where money grows. So why have these stocks gone up so significantly 
when the big money is not expecting the companies to make money. That's where the whole potential idea of a pump and dump really comes from. You know, you find a stock that isn't doing very good, that has poor earnings, and all of a sudden the price starts skyrocketing, everybody jumps on board, and then you drop the stock or something happens, the stock or changes somehow, and you get these types of crashes in stocks like this. Doesn't mean these aren't good companies, it just means that these are a little bit more speculative, and just by going off the vector vest analysis, the earnings doesn't quite match up with what we see with the price action. Here at VectorVest, we typically prefer to see a nice steady rise in price from bottom left to upper right, like we did here for a while, but we also like to see earnings confirming that. We like to see earnings moving from bottom left to upper right like a stair-step pattern, and that is something we don't have with this. Also, another interesting thing to point out here is if you've been following the headlines, one of the other stories or uh, news articles that have come out is the SEC awards over $500,000 to a whistleblower under a safe harbor for internal reporting and surpasses record for individual awards. This came out on March 29th, and it's maybe a coincidence, who knows, but it's very suspicious that this article came out from the SEC right around the same time as these stocks were dropping like a rock. I'm not saying it has to do with that, but the fact that these companies such as Goldman Sachs, uh, Credit Suisse, and Morgan Stanley are all of a sudden margin calling them before the trades got out of control, and this comes out, really just seems to be the perfect timing, if you will. All right, so finally, I know today's been a long video. There's a lot of thoughts about this that I have, but I wanna make sure I try to get to all of them. And if you're still choosing to tune in right now, I do appreciate you guys. Thank you for sticking around. But lastly, let's talk about the implications this could have for the meme stocks. So these stocks were stocks that were sold off that this uh, Tiger Management or Archegos Capital had in their holdings. And these major investment banks closed out of those stocks, those long positions that they held to build up the collateral that they required. Now, looking at GME, I don't think this has anything to do directly related to GME. From everything that I've been able to find and piece together, this is more of a stark warning for these hedge funds that are overshorting GME, AMC, other meme stocks. If they sold this these stocks long and they sold the, the, the long stocks and we saw the drop, think about what happens on, and also keep in mind that these stocks aren't overly shorted right now. Think about what happens when a margin call happens to these short sellers or naked short sellers potentially on GME or these other meme stocks and just the inverse happens. All of a sudden that price starts to skyrocket and because there's not that much liquidity out there, they're gonna have a hard time covering and they're gonna to have to move their buy price higher and higher and higher until they finally meet where retail and bigger investors are willing to sell their shares for. So this kind of backs up that whole theory right now of you know, you if you short GME and it starts to go against you and all of a sudden you start getting margin called, that could trigger that short squeeze again and the owners of GME shares get to essentially choose or set 
whatever price they want to for their shares. So hopefully you guys enjoyed today's topic. Hopefully you guys enjoyed today's uh, deep dive into this. Um, hopefully you've learned something here. If you have and you're still around right now, don't forget, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, leave a comment down below. And as this story continues to develop, you can be sure that I will be bringing you up-to-date news on this topic. So until next time, take care, adios, and I'll see you guys on the moon. Thank you for supporting our podcast and for being a part of VV Nation. Remember, you can always get a free stock analysis on your stocks. Simply go to VectorVest.com forward slash free. Type in your symbol, submit your email, and we will email your analysis.